a big shout of praise in this house. Is that the best you can do this morning? Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. So you may please be seated in the presence of God this morning. Amen. I feel like singing this morning. Oh, I miss singing. I miss the choir. Amen. All right, I want to welcome everybody to church today. And I really want to appreciate you guys for coming to meet with King Jesus. Not to meet with a man, but with the God of the universe. The Father of all flesh. The Prince of Peace. Who is the head over this house. And who is the owner of every soul that's present here. And that's in the cosmos. So, please appreciate yourself this morning for coming to church. Amen. And I want to appreciate our first timers. Thank you for coming. Uh, we really appreciate you. You could have chosen to go elsewhere, but you came here. I believe that the Spirit of God brought you here. Whether you were invited by somebody, you know, or you were just led by the Spirit of God to come. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor Fred Akinlai Legbe, who is here with us in the Spirit, though not here physically, and um, on behalf of the leadership of this church, I want to welcome you. And I pray that the Lord will meet you right where you are in the name of Jesus. Can I hear a loud amen, church? Amen. All right, let me say that Pastor sends his greetings. All right, and I want us to respond to that greetings and say, we love you, Pastor. Yeah, Pastor, I hope we, you can hear us. We love you. We love you so much. And... Um, uh, we are praying for you, all right, in the name of Jesus. Um, after the sermon, we're going to join hands together by the grace of God to uh, lift up our Father, our leader in this house in prayer, all right, in Jesus' name. Okay, uh, this morning I have a word for us. God gave me a word, and I believe he's going to bless you. Amen. Now, now, Pastor started on a series titled, Looking Unto Jesus. Uh, can I hear everybody say that together? Looking unto Jesus. Uh, I believe that it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to me to not divert uh, on that subject matter. So, I'm going to be speaking on a subtitle under that umbrella of Looking on the Jesus, um, on the subject I called Racing Light. Racing Light. L-I-G-H-T. Racing. You all know what race means. R-A-C-E. Now, Racing Light. That's what I'm going to be talking about under the Looking unto Jesus series. God has helped our Father to... Um, Build a strong foundation on that subject. I'm just going to take us a little bit deeper as you all pray with me and trust the Holy Spirit of God for utterance to be able to communicate God's mind to us this morning on the subject, Racing Light. All right, turn your Bibles with me very quickly to the book of Hebrews. Media, 
I'm going to appreciate um, your partnership this morning. We're going to be reading a lot of scriptures. So if you came to church with your Bible, get ready to turn them today. And those that didn't come with their Bibles, you can just um, depend on the screen. All right. I'm going to be depending on the media too so that I can use my time judiciously and um, save opening the Bible. So Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. I'm going to quickly read three scriptures to us this morning, and then I'll begin to say what I believe that God has given me to share with us this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, verse 1, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with the patience the race that is set before us. Now verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the second scripture will be Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. I want us to just read those three anchored texts, and then I'll begin to share with us uh, what I believe God wants me to say. Amen. All right, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verses 4 through 7. No man that worried entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And even man also strive for masteries. Yeah, he's not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husband man that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. And verse 7, consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Amen? All right. The last um, scripture I'm going to read um, is Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. Racing light. Now, everybody knows that, or I will assume everybody knows that the life of a believer is a journey. As a matter of fact, the life of every man is a journey. Say journey. We are all on a race. So let me just box it up because I'm talking to believers this morning. So every believer is in a race. Every believer is on a race. Our life is a journey. It's just like many of us took a journey to get to church this morning. I believe that we do not just Wake up from our bed, and then abracadabra, we are in church. You all took a journey 
by whatever means of transportation that you, you know, took, whether some of us walk or some of us that live very close to church, and for those who live farther away from church, you came to church by a means of transportation. Am I right? Am I right? Please, I want us to respond if I ask us questions so we can, we can jelly together. Amen? Okay, so you took a journey. I wouldn't know how much distance it took for you. I mean, how much distance you cover in order to get a church by whatever means of transportation that um, you took. But you can be sure that stops happen along the journey. Different kinds of things happen on the journey of life. A lot of stops happen on our journey of faith, our faith walk with Jesus. You know, it's like on a regular journey, you can have a flat tire. I mean, how many of you have embarked on a journey and then the vehicle had a flat tire? Have, have you been there? Now you can imagine, or I, I, I can only imagine how disappointing that could be or how frustrating it could be. You know, because there was a flat tire or there was an hindrance that happened on the way. I mean, different kinds of stuff happened. I mean, the engine could actually, you know, break down and different kinds of stuff on the journey. Now, the same way on our journey of faith with the Lord, stops happen. We make mistakes. All right? We, 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 we. It's just, let me jump ahead of myself now. It's just like Apostle Paul that said, I'm going to say that anyways when we get there. You know, that there are things I want to do that I believe are the right thing to do, but I found it hard to so do. Now, those things that are not lawful, that are not, you know, in accordance to God's will is what I found myself doing. Maybe we've also found ourselves in that kind of situation where we, we, in our mind, we desire to do good. In our mind, we already made it up to carry out the will of God. We want to live a life that is pleasing to God. We don't want to do anything contrary to God's ordinances, His precepts, you know, His commandments. We, we just want to live a life for the Lord. Nothing less and absolutely nothing more. Because that's actually the essence of life. If you are looking for the equation of life, it actually equals to pleasing God. So maybe somehow you already found yourself, you know, faulty in that regard. Many of us have been there. I've been there myself. All right. I've been there many times. But the reality is I want you all to know today that the life of a believer is a journey. And when stops happen on the way, now imagine when flat tire happen on the way. Now, do you guys spend like a year on the road fixing the flat tire? Now, what happens? You you quickly call the um, um, the at attention of a of of a mechanic or a vulcanizer uh, or what, whatever, you know, to get it fixed, so that you guys can continue, right? Whatever happened on the road has to be fixed. So that the journey can 
continue. So whatever happened on our faith walk with God has to be fixed. We fall down, but we rise. The Bible says the righteous fall down how many times? Hello, how, how many times? Seven times, and then they rise up all the time. So they don't remain there. All right? They don't remain there. But today, I want to really elaborate on how that journey is actually uh, attainable. How we can actually walk through this race. And I already said it. The way to walk through this race is to walk it light. And when I mean racing light, what I'm actually talking about is you are without any unnecessary weight. Just like our anchor scriptures have described to us. We walk on this journey with a lot of weight, a lot of garbage, a lot of unnecessary weight, stuff that don't matter, things that, you know, they can distract us. In fact, they can hinder our pace or our motion as we progress in this walk of faith with the Lord. And today, by the grace of God, we're going to debunk that. And the Lord has given us a solution on how to actually walk circumspectly on this journey with him in such a way that we can travel light and we can travel fast. And we can get deeper and deeper and deeper until he comes. Can I hear a loud amen? Oh, man, there's a lot I want to talk about this morning. Okay. Let me just say a few things I wrote down here, and I'm trusting God for speed. And then I'll say how to raise light. Remember, we are actually looking onto Jesus, right? Because reality is you can't do this race without Jesus. That needs to be very clear. If you think that you are Oak organ or you are you know, so powerful that you can walk the race, faith walk, faith race, without Jesus, then I wonder which race you are actually doing. Because the race of faith is a race that you cannot do without Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. It means he has seen to the end of the race from the beginning. And if you really want to walk right on this trajectory of faith to where Jesus wants us to get to, to destination, then you need somebody that has been there. Am I communicating this morning? If we are traveling to a particular place or a particular geography that we have never been before, we need somebody that had been there. Am I correct? We can trust somebody that will be, in fact, that has not just only been there, but used to live there. Or maybe even did his or childhood there. So we, we, we are banking on that person because that person has mastered 
the nook and cranny of that locality or that particular location. So that person has the knowledge that we don't have in spite of the encyclopedia that we have in our house and we have studied the atlas and the map and everything. But this person actually lived here and sees everything that we have not seen. We only saw pictures, right? We only saw diagrams, we saw representation. But this is somebody that has seen face to face all of these things. So we can bank on that person. Am I right? And we can be sure that he knows the way to the destination we are headed. So it's the same thing we're talking about. King Jesus knows this way. As a matter of fact, he is the way. Can I hear a loud amen? He's the way, the truth, and the life. So with him on the boat with us, we are short of victory. Can I hear a loud amen? Racing light. The life of a believer and his relationship with the triune God is a journey of faith. Yes, indeed, a faith walk. That requires, that requires rapt attention, that requires pain, rapt attention to the voice of the leader for and on every step of the journey. What do I mean? I said it earlier, the life of a believer and his relationship with the Lord is a personal thing, all right? Also, is a journey of faith. And in this journey, you are going to be hearing or you're going to be paying attention, rapt attention, close attention to instructions. Because he truly is the leader, is the one who leads you on the journey, right? Then it means you have to listen to him. Many times, in fact, one of the weight we carry on this journey is that we know too much or we assume we know too much. And that's no way to race in. In this faith journey. You really want to walk circumspectly. Then it means you don't even take a step. Until you have heard him say so. So you listen to instruction. You're just like a pilot. You know. I mean if you understand aeronautics these guys actually operate the airplane by instructions detailed instructions if they accidentally do the wrong thing maybe they should have done something before the other and they press the wrong button before another button now what's going to happen is <laughs> is chaos right now King Jesus is on the boat of our life's journey and our faith walk with him in order to show us every step of the way. Why God never promised that the journey... Okay, if you, if you want a scripture for that, you can look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. That talks about trust in the Lord. With, yeah, okay, maybe you can help us with that scripture. I'm, I'm trying to race also for time. 
trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all your ways. <laughs> Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Our wisdom, manly, earthly, humanly wisdom, most of the time are weights that we carry along thinking we can do it together with Jesus. Jesus would say something, we have our own opinion. And that is what our world has become right now. The kingdom already gave what is the original instruction about everything, including sex and gender. But the world has invented their own truths, deviating from what is the ultimate, the original truth. And it's appalling, it's sad that is entering into the church. Subtly. I mean, I was on, on, on the internet one day, I was just viewing some videos on, on YouTube, and I saw a, a particular, um, I don't know what to call it. It's, 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 it's actually a discourse between a one, uh, uh, two anchors, and then another person that happened to be a gay pastor. I don't remember. It's, maybe many of us have seen that video too. He's a gay pastor, and they preach the same Bible, you know, a gay pastor. They have a church, a church that accommodates gay people. Homosexuality, LGBTQ plus community, they, they, they go there. And the pastor preaches the word to them. I know. Now, so these other ministers were trying to, you know, engage this gay pastor who thought he knew too much and was giving his exegesis to back up the scripture to support gay, to support homosexuality, to support what the creator of everything had already written down in here. There's nothing else we are looking for. Everything about creation, everything about man, the anatomy of man, Whatever it is that the world has invented, they are just trying to go contrary to what the original creator has said. That's a weight on the world, a very huge one. And we as Christians, are, we ought to be mindful so that we don't begin to uh, adopt some of these philosophies. Care is not taken if you don't already understand the values of the kingdom of God, you can almost begin to make reasons for what they are saying about everything that surrounds the LGBTQ+. But that's not our subject this morning, even though it revolves around it, because it's a weight on the world. But we Christians are not supposed to, you know, carry such weight also. But the way we carry such weight is in the wisdom of men. 
The Bible is saying here in Proverbs that we should lean not on our own understanding because we actually have our own intel also. We have our intelligence and you think we can, we, 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 we think we can run this race with our own concubility, with our own intelligence. No. If we could, then we would not need Jesus in the first place. If we could run the race ourselves, then we wouldn't need a savior on board. Are you following me this morning, church? Another thing I'd say, why God never promised that the journey will be a bird of roses. He gave the unwavering assurance that you will never walk alone. Please tell somebody, never walk alone. Now, I'm not a fan of Liverpool, so I'm not saying Liverpool slang. I'm just making uh, a declaration. Uh, you should tell them again, never walk alone. While he never said that we will not face trouble or we wouldn't face opposition or we wouldn't face all of those things that happen on a regular journey, he already gave assurance that we would never walk alone and that he would be with us all the way as our inexhaustible provision and sustenance until we reach our final destination. And you can see that in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, 4, verse 15 and 16. It says, we have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. This is somebody that has walked the journey every step of the way. And he said, I know how you feel part-time. Father Jesus, you don't even know how I'm feeling right now. Oh, no, that's, 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 that's not true. Because he does know. He's been there. We do not have a high priest who does not know how you feel part-time. He does know. Another thing I'm going to say now is, in the kingdom culture, every man who has received citizenship by rebirth came as they were, but will never end up, or would end up as he is. Let me say it in a personal term so we can understand what I'm saying. In the kingdom culture, every man who has received citizenship by rebirth, I mean everybody who is saved, like you all are saved right now. Before you became saved, you came just as you were. But you will end up just as he is. Can I hear a loud amen? This is an already finished program. It cannot be changed unless you change it. And the way you change it is you not cooperating with God to cause this transformation to happen. Because when you come into the kingdom culture, you receive your citizenship just like a lot of us are Nigerian citizens. By birth. Many of us are born here. Am I right? If you're a Nigerian, can I see your hands up? I'm not one of you guys. Amen. If you're a Nigerian, can I see your hands up? Okay. 
Now, you became a Nigerian by virtue of your birth many times. In fact, a, a lot of us are Nigerians by virtue of our birth. That's the same way we also become a kingdom citizen by birth. Hallelujah. We became a kingdom citizen. So you have dual passport. Now, I needed to minister that to your neighbor. So you have dual passport. You have dual passport. Amen. Your original passport is the kingdom passport. So your green card is a secondary one. Amen. Now, for some of you that don't know that, that's what it is. Because, see, you need to understand that the citizenship we are in is not of this world, even though we are living here. So you can refer to us as um, immigrants. Are you all hearing me now? I'd say it the way the Bible puts it, we are pilgrimage on earth. This is not our home. But God planted us here for a purpose. And the purpose why he planted us here is actually to fulfill his original grand agenda. What is God's original purpose for creating earth? Which is to turn earth to another colony of heaven. I've said this many times. Nigeria used to be a colony of the Great Britain. Am I right? Now, the greatest threat to any kingdom. Now, I'm not talking about democracy. The kingdom of God is not democracy, right? It's not democratic. It's a kingdom. Now, the, 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 the greatest threat to a kingdom is independence. Did you hear what I said? The greatest threat to any kingdom is what? Independence. Independence. When Nigeria used to be a colony of the Great Britain, now you can bear me witness, even though many of us were not born at that time, including myself, but maybe Sister IJ, of course, IJ should be, uh, I'm not sure. Anyways. <laughs> All right, but listen now, guys. Y'all will agree with me that we were spending our, 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 um, what's it called now? What was it, what, yeah, thank you. What, what was the currency we were spending at the time? Pounds, right? Thank you. And we also spoke in their language. We were speaking English. English is not Nigerian language one. I hope you know. What other things were we doing at that time? They gave us their culture. We begin to wear ties. Ties is not Nigerian culture. We don't wear ties. We wear attires. Okay? We have attires that we wear. We don't wear ties. Are y'all following me, guys? We began to drink tea. Y'all don't know what tea is. You drink herb. That's, that's what you do. But they gave us tea. I mean, they gave us coffee, chocolate, all of those things. Now, those were not ours. But because there is a kingdom in Great Britain, the queen didn't have to come to Nigeria. He sent a governor in the name of who? You guys remember him? Lord whatever. 
Lord what? Lord Lugard. Lord Lugard came and represented the queen. Now, a governor in the kingdom is not a governor in democracy. A governor in the kingdom, this is the role of a governor in the kingdom. A governor in the kingdom comes and do what the queen would have done if she came to Nigeria. In other words, the governor is somebody who sits with the queen and has already mastered everything that's in the mind or in the head of the queen. You say, how is that possible? It is possible because this is somebody that wine and dine with the queen. They sit together. Oh, the queen is dead now, so we have a king, whatever. Now, but this is it. It comes to Nigeria and culturize Nigeria. Made Nigeria another United Kingdom. Such that we spoke their language, we ate their food, we dressed like them. What else did we do? We do everything that, it, that, that, that they were doing over there. But the time came, October 1960. Now listen guys, this is what happened. When we gained independence, the greatest threat to the kingdom... Before independence, we were in the commonwealth of the Great Britain. Everything that served or that they were served at Great Britain was served to Nigeria because they are responsible for us. Are you all following me? We fed in their reserve. Whatever goes to the United Kingdom has to come here. If they serve them burger over there, burger comes to here. In other words, you don't have to go to America to visit McDonald's in order for you to eat burger. Burger is coming here because it's as though they brought the United Oh, sorry, McDonald's is in the U.S. Whatever. <laughs> they brought their restaurants here by giving us their food. Now, but on that night of 1960, something happened. There was a shift in government. We call it independence. That was the day that we cut connection from the Great Britain and we became autonomous. We became independent. In other words, we bade the United Kingdom goodbye. In other words, we say we don't want your economy anymore. Take your culture. It's just that they cannot take their language anymore. We already learned it. Take your currency. Take your constitutions. Everything. And they took it. So Nigeria gained independence. And we cut off our economics from there. So that we could stand alone. This was what happened in the Garden of Eden. When man fell. The fall of man was actually a declaration of independence from God. The Holy Spirit is the governor of the kingdom of God. Now the intention of God when he created Adam and Eve in the garden was for them to do what? To produce the mind of God on earth which is to turn the earth to a colony of heaven. There cannot be two kings in a kingdom. It has to be a king. God is already a king 
in heaven and he needs another king on earth. So he made man. So the, 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 the grand purpose of a man is to be king on earth. Now, he can't do it alone because he doesn't know how heaven looks like or how heaven is. So God gave the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the governor of the kingdom that was culturizing Adam, the first man. Are you all following me, guys? He gave Adam uh, heaven language. What's heaven language? We speak in tongues. When the Holy Ghost comes upon every believer, what happens? It changed their language. Just like the Great Britain changed our language. They gave us English. We began to speak in English. It began to culturize Hadam. Just like the Spirit of God, when it comes, it began to culturize us. Those things that we are familiar with as a Nigerian that is against the constitution of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, as we partner with him, as we yield ourselves to him, as we submit our will to him, it begins to cut them off one after the other and begin to replace them with the culture of the kingdom of God until we begin to manifest the kingdom of God. Are you all following me, church? Oh, man, I dwell too much on this point. Amen. If you look at 1 John 4, verse 4 and 17. Uh, media, please, can we quickly look at that? 1 John 4, verses 4 and 17. I want to begin to run now. 1 John 4, verse 4 and verse 17. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, verse 17. Verse 17, guys. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Did you get that? That's what happens in this kingdom. When we receive citizenship, all right, when we kickstart our faith race, we're talking about racing light, racing light. In other words, racing how? Racing light. So when we began our journey of faith with the Lord, this actually was the beginning of it when we got our citizenship. The Holy Ghost, who is the governor of the kingdom, began the process of culturizing us to become the kingdom citizens. Number four, the faith race is the one you cannot successfully do without God. Absolutely, but definitely can't without self. Now, that can be a little bit, let me say it again. The faith race is the one you cannot successfully do without God. That is, you need God for this race. And you cannot do it with yourself, if that better explains it. In other words, you totally depend on him for every step 
of the way, even when it doesn't make sense. And in the middle of dark oppositions, we've all have our dark times. Many of us, we still have some more dark times. And I'm not cursing anybody. It's just the way the world has been wired. Dark times, oppositions are not made to break us. They are just part of the journey to make us a better person. Many of us don't pray for dark times, but they will come. You cannot pray them away. Even Jesus himself said it. He said, in the word, you will do what? You will suffer tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have done what? I have overcome the world. I like the way Amplified Version puts it. He said, I have deprived of thee the power to harm you. So it means it don't matter what you go through. He ain't going to harm you. He's not going to do you any harm. Rather, it's going to get you better. Hallelujah. If you look at John 15, 1 through 8, we can't read that, but if you get them, you can go ahead and read it. That talks about the relationship of the vine and the vine dressers and the branches. Now you see the dependence. And that's why I said the greatest threat to a kingdom is independence. Every time you want to become independent of God on this journey, you open yourself up to more troubles because the devil actually has been waiting for that because when you become independent of God you carry more weight on yourself because it wasn't it was it, it, it wasn't possible for man to be able to do these things but God in man and God actually came in man he came in the body of Jesus Christ just to show us that this thing cannot be possible in yourself. But when God is in the equation, it is possible. And he made Jesus to come and demonstrate it to us. That see now, this is Jesus. This is God. I came in flesh in the body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, as it is written in the scripture, cannot do anything unless he has done what? He has heard from the Father. In other words, he was dependent on the Holy Spirit of God all the step of the way. Even though he is God. He still depended on the Holy Spirit because he is in the flesh. We are in the flesh. We need God. Every time we chose to do these things without God, it becomes an Achillean tax. It becomes impossible. We make, in fact, we mess things up than they already were. Are you following me, church? I'm getting somewhere very quick. Very quick, very quick. Let's look at first, um, uh, media please help us with 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7. Now, this is talking about Jesus, but Jesus is in us now, right? Unless I should be exalted above measure, 
through the abundance of the revelation. Okay, no, this is not Jesus, sorry. Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, no, no, no. Uh, Amida, please, you can keep that, that text up on the stage. Let me read it again. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. This is Apostle Paul talking here. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, many people would say, excuse me. Apostle Paul said, a messenger of Satan. So how did God, did God ask Satan to give him something from his quarters in order to afflict Apostle Paul? But read that, if you read into that context, you will see that it was Apostle Paul that gave whatever that God actually put in him just to curtail him. In other words, just to not allow him to be independent of God as a result of the abundance of revelations. Are you following me, church? He called it by that name, by virtue of whatever experience he got from what that thing that was given to him is doing to him. I don't know if I'm communicating this morning. Let me say that again. I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now that thorn in the flesh, the, 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 the narration that came after it was Paul's. Paul's called it a messenger of Satan to buffet me as a result of what that thing was doing to him. I'm sure that thing is not actually ravaging his health or anything. No. What that thing was doing was to keep his flesh under. Are you following me, church? He was keeping his flesh under so that all the accolades that people were saying, you know, our generation, we love accolades too much. When you do a little thing, people begin to hail you. It can get into your head when care is not taken. But Apostle Paul said, God gave me this thing to keep me on God. Lest I lose my dependence on him. And I think that I am the one responsible for all these things. When I open my mouth and I talk some revelation, lest I think that is coming from my head. Or that's coming from how much books I have had to read. Or that is coming from my, you know, years of research in the, in, in the law school. Because Apostle Paul was actually a very learned person. So, I've, 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 of course, I believe he must be a voracious reader. He reads a lot. So, lest he begin to take credit for what God is doing, something like a limiter was put on him. He called it a messenger of Satan by virtue of what that thing was doing to him to say 
that is a messenger of Satan. Now, why did I say all of that? I say that to say that God wants you to get to that point where it is not just about uh, you approaching him because you have to. Are you hearing me, church? You don't have to get to that point with God where it is all about when you have to. He wants you to graduate from when you have to to you want to. Because many times we do what we do because we have to. But now it's time to graduate to because I want to. I don't have to do this thing because I have to do it. I want to do it because I want to do it. And, I'm, and in order for you to get to that point, it tells on your relationship with God. How much of God that you have experienced. Because many times we do some things because we have to. Just to avoid some conversations. You know, if I don't go to Bible study now, HM is, is going to call me and, and, and say, bro, we, we, we didn't see you in church. Or if I don't get to do that thing, you know, I, I'll, I'll be faced with some kind of stuff and all of that. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Because that's not coming from your heart. It should be that I'm going to do this thing because I love Jesus. Oh, I love him so much. Jesus, I just want to do this because I love you. That's a willing heart. Not somebody that will prime to do some stuff. And they do it because they have to do it grudgingly. No, it has to be a willing heart. Are you following me, church? Are you following me? The race of faith is run by the heart, not by the head. Our head many times, like I said, has a lot of information in it, which most of the time is not consistent with what the Spirit of God is saying to our heart. So you don't run the race of faith by your head knowledge. You run it by the revelation knowledge of God in your spirit that is translated to your soul. Romans 7 and verse 24. Romans 7 and verse 24. Now this is Apostle Paul, the man of abundant revelation. Amen. Look at what he says here. Remember we said the race of faith is run by the heart and not by the head. Oh, wretched man that I am. 
who shall deliver me from the body of death? Verse 25. I thank God through Jesus, my Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. If you look at the scriptures preceding verse 24 and 25, you see the experience of Apostle Paul. How that he had battles. I'm actually coming there. Let me just fast forward. He had battles with the flesh. We all do. And they are meant to happen even in this faith journey that we are in. Many times we want to please God. But another time our body wants to do something else. Now let me quickly say this. Know ye these days, Expression House family, that your body will ever be an antithesis of faith. What that means is your body will always want to go against God. That is why this faith journey is a constant battle to put your body under. Otherwise, you will surprise yourself. Oh, man of God, you will surprise yourself. Oh, daughter of Zion, you will surprise yourself if you cannot or you don't master your body. And you cannot do it by yourself. Apostle Paul, a man of abundance of revelation, is saying this. He's giving us the code here. You need Jesus to be able to temper your body because your body is a principality on its own. And is never ever, is not planning to, because you are saved in your spirit, to now begin to do God's will. But it is you, by your, you know, consistent walk with the Lord and nurturing your spirit man to grow so big that it can now begin to influence the decision you take. And that will determine the direction that your body moves. When your body wants to have sex, you know, you, 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 you speak the revelation of the constitution of the kingdom and your body remains there. Now that's a victory for that day. And that, that don't mean that it ain't going to come again tomorrow. Or other temptations like that. They keep coming. Even Jesus, the Bible said that after the temptation, the devil left him for a why? So when the, when the Bible says level, left him for a while, so I, I believe the devil must have come back another time just to see whether <laughs> that thing that Jesus said he held on to, you know, his values, the kingdom culture, purity, discipline, all of those things still stand or they have changed. That will happen to us on a consistent basis. That's why faith is a fight. But we thank God it's a fight that had already been won by Jesus. Hallelujah. So we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory to victory. And the victories continue like that in Jesus' name. All that you need in this faith rack is absolutely none greater than Jesus. All you need on this track of faith is Jesus. 
You become your closest companion on the journey. And you know why? I think I said it before. Because he's the beginner and finisher of your faith. He has gone to the end of the journey waiting on you at the beginning. Does that make you excited? That King Jesus already has landed at the finish lane and is just waiting on you at the beginning. So it means he knows in total everything that you are going to have to meet on your journey of faith with him. And he's standing by you. He's waiting on you to give you all the support. Or let me use this language that we are familiar with. He's rooting for you just to ensure that you get to the finish lane. When you fall down, he helps you to get up. Just like a toddler who is just learning to walk. Do you beat up a toddler who is just learning to walk because he or she fell? Does any parent do that? I know many of us are not parents now, you know, but you can just imagine it. You just gave birth, you know, and this child is beginning to grow and mature and then he, he, he's learning to walk and then he saw you from afar and he, he, was, he was, you know, he's just on the floor and then he's trying to... To, to stand up and then fell down. Do you go to him and say, hey, you, you good for nothing, child. Why, why, why do, you, do you, do you do that? Does, does, does anybody do that? No. You even encourage him, hey, baby, come on, you can do it. Oh, okay, come on, okay, come on, I'm with you now. All right, all right, pick a step, just gently and like that. You begin to coach the baby. And that's what King Jesus does for us on this journey. And why we cannot and he never wanted us to do it on our own. He, he, he makes provision. It became grace. Grace and mercy at the provision of the Lord for us to walk successfully on this journey of faith. When we fall, it picks us up. Say, oh, come on, my grace is sufficient for you, baby. Uh, I know you did that, but you know what? Just get up and keep walking. You, you don't have to stop. You don't have to wallow in guilt. You don't have to beat yourself up because of that little stain. Come on, get up now. I, I, I did the washing of you 2,000 years ago. Pick yourself up and keep walking. Hallelujah. What does it mean to raise light? And then I'll go to how then do we raise light? I should wrap that up in the next five minutes that I have. Amen. Are we getting blessed this morning? Are you getting anything at all out of what God is saying to us this morning? Amen. Raising light simply describes all the operations of the Holy Spirit in and on a believer that has made him or her fit and ready for the master's use. I'll say that again. Racing light simply describes all the operations of the Holy Spirit in and on a believer that has made him or a fit. In other words, that has equipped him 
to be a suitable vessel for God to use. God don't trust vessels he has not tested. Did you hear what I say? God don't trust vessels that he has not tested. He has to put you through a test before he can trust you. Who are you? He did it to Jesus. What did you call the temptation in the wilderness? You think that was an experiment? It was a test. It was a test. God knew we are about to make a huge investment on humanity. And we cannot afford to take chances. My son, Jesus, volunteered to go for us. I'm not even sure I can test him. I, I, I could actually say that. Because that's the essence of the... I'm not even sure I, I can trust him. Now, that's the essence of the test. He made him go through the wilderness to be tested. The temptations were actually tests to be sure that Jesus was ready to carry out the redemptive plan for mankind. So you're going to go through your own test too. If you really want God to use you, then you expect to be tested. Say that to your neighbor. You really want God to use you? Ask them. Are you sure about your answer? Now you, you can tell them, expect some tests. Expect some tests this week. Many of us don't like tests. I, see, guys, I never knew how much I hated exams until I did one in UI. I didn't know I hated exams so much. I teach, all right? I've done exams before when I did my diploma in the Polytechnic Ibadan. But I took some years, and then I went back to school in UI. I never knew I hated exams, my God. Ha! Ah, I hate exams, I beg it almost break me. I was reading like crazy, honestly. I underestimated the first semester. I thought, oh, come on, I've been teaching this course. I, I, what is physics? I was doing, I'm doing physics. What is physics? I teach physics, so Jare. Until I saw, when? <laughs> ah, okay, my brother, Ka'a, usually see you at that uh, CDN stuff. Ah! My God. I told God, I said, God, I fumbled, oh. Help me, oh. Help me, oh. So this second semester, I tried to sit up a little bit. You know, and God helped me. Exam is not usually sweet. It's not, what's the word now? Palatable. Yeah, exam is not palatable. Tests are not sweet. But reality is, God will not trust anything into your care until he has first earned your trust. He's not going to entrust anything to you until he has earned your trust. Until he's sure that you can be trusted. You are trustworthy. And how does he know you're trustworthy? He gives you pressure. He tests you. Tests are pressure. And pressure can come in different packages. If you expect to receive it in some juicy, sweet, attractive, appealing, 
flour, sardine, container, you will be, okay, maybe they can even come in sardine container. But when you open it up, you find some warm kind of taste. Can you imagine it opening a sardine container and all you see there is what? Worms. So some tests can look attractive. But reality is every test God gave are never meant to break you. They're never meant to humiliate you. They are part of the pruning process to equip you for ministry. And when I mean ministry, I ain't talking about you, be, you becoming like PFE or PFI. We are just brothers in the house that love the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm saying for you to be carry out your to be able to carry out your assignment on earth. Because every one of us has been given our unique assignments. Whew, my time is up. So when we talk about written life, like I said, is the operations of the Holy Spirit in us. It's a whole lot. I cannot even explain everything that the Holy Spirit does. It's more of a personal thingy to us. Everybody knows how the Holy Spirit tends to, you know, cut something off us, prune us. It's a lot of process. It's, it's, it's a cultivating process. You know, some things that you like to do, some places that you like to visit. The Holy Spirit will say, I don't want you to visit that place no more. Not because it's entirely bad. Because I just don't want you there. You're my ambassador. You are a kingdom citizen. I don't think you should be there. And some places that you really don't like to go. Or people you don't even like to meet and stuff like that. He will say, that's where I want you to go. How many of you have been there? It's part of the test. And the way to go in about it is to just trust him. Because we are racing life. If you continue to hold on to your own intelligence, to hold on to your own wisdom, all of those things are unnecessary weights, encumbrances that we need to do away with so that we can be so light, we can travel fast. In two minutes, let me quickly tell us, how then do we race light? Or five minutes. Amen. How then do we raise light? How then do we raise light? I'm talking about raising light. Okay, so how do we, how do we, how do we remove all of this, you know, stronghold in our mind and our bodies? You know, how then do we raise light? Number one, acknowledge that there is a constant perpetual and ongoing combat in and for your soul. You need to know that. You cannot afford to be ignorant that there is a constant, perpetual and ongoing combat. I mean war. That's what I mean. War in your soul. And not just in your soul, for your soul. And that combat is going on in your, is, is, is going on between your inward man 
and your flesh. Apostle Paul made that known to us in Romans 7, 24 through 25. Mida, can you be fast and just give us that scripture very quickly? Oh, okay, we've even read it before. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's talking about his body. This body is a principality. I know you love to take care of it. We all love to take care of our bodies, but we're not even talking about caring for the body. We're talking about the attempt of the body to make us go against God. So acknowledge that there is a constant fight, a constant battle. And it's going on between your inward man, what the spirit of God in you wants to do, and what your body wants to do. It's a very regular fight. And you know why? Because the devil knows he cannot do you any wrong, lest he set you up in your flesh. The devil knows he can't do you any wrong lest he set you up in your flesh. And how does he do that? By attacking your mind with fiery darts of ungodly contents. It fires your mind with thoughts. You begin to paint images of, you know, desperate acts. Different kinds of stuff running through your mind. Should I... Should I take that money? Should I have that figure? Should that, should I, should I, should I? All of that the devil is doing is a constant battle. And but the spirit of God in you is saying, hey, child of God, you're too big for that. You can't do that. Number two, very quickly. Quit doing it your own way. Quit doing it your own way and submit the conquest to Jesus, your ultimate champion quit doing it your own it's high time you stop devising your own schemes and ways of handling the temptations that comes to you on this faith journey it's high time you begin to shift your focus not on your own human strength but on the strength of the holy ghost matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 I love the way message translation put it. It's a very popular scripture that we know. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and what? Next, next verse, please, 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. Quit doing it your own way. The Lord is too much for your mental faculties. It's too much for your physical human intelligence. He knows how to deal with it. So quit trying and just submit to him. I want us to see it in message translation very quickly. Okay, media, I have like three more minutes extra. Just, you can, you can punch me some three minutes so I can round up. Matthew eleven twenty. Now everybody church, I want us to see this together. In fact, let's read it together. Want to go? Are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. All right, so how do we take a real rest? Next verse. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or anything on you. And the last verse is that of keep company with me, and you learn to live freely. And how? Amen. Enough of your own methods. You are so brilliant, intelligent. You are a genius. But reality is all of that can only deal with physical stuff here. Because the people you are dealing with or the forces that you are battling with, they are neither flesh nor blood. They are what? They are principalities and powers. They are people who have been before you are. So you need somebody who has been before they were or before they are to fight the person who existed before you do. Are you getting what I'm saying, church? Quit trying in your own way. You can always, God is so good. I love God. You see, many times I picture him like, you know, when we try to hone our own method, it's like we're keeping God at bay. We say, Lord God, just, just sit there. I can handle this on my own. I say, oh, yeah, you can. I mean, that saves me a lot of stress. I just keep and watch you do it. So he keep watching us doing it our own way. Now, when we bite our fingers and we come back and say, oh, excuse me, uh, uh, I thought you said you could handle it. Uh, yeah, I thought I could. I, I, I assume I could. But now, Lord, I need you to come on board. And he would still come on board. But we don't have to wait until we bite our fingers. We can always trust him to walk us through the process. Did you see what or how Mr. Transition put it? He said, I'll show you how to do these things. I'm going to show you how to do it. Amen. Number three, raising light. How do you do it when you acknowledge that you're in a constant battle? And that constant battle is going on in your in, is going on between your inner mind and your flesh. And number two, you quit doing it your own way. Your methods are they're not going to work. No matter how you improve, modify all of the postulates and laws and theories will not work. What's gonna work is whatever God gives you, that's what's gonna work. Number three, run. Now that you have quit, you have you have, you, have, you, have, you have gotten to your, to, to how do they say now? You have, you have actually gotten to your um, wit end. All right? You have no idea what to do anymore. And then you've submitted to Jesus. Now, number three, run with the assurance of victory as though you are in a competition not with others, but with your major opponent. And what's your major opponent? Your flesh. Who don't want you to succeed in the race? The flesh is the major opponent that don't want you to succeed in the, in, in the race. So you now begin to run. With this assurance of victory that, okay, now, the battle is not mine anymore. After all, I submitted it to God, right? So, let me watch God do it. And then I begin to run. God is the one fighting the battle. So, as it fights the battle, 
that gives me or that generates strength for me. So I'm running as though I'm in a competition, not with other fellow believers because they're all doing their own running too. We all are doing it together. So um, we are all running, you know, against our major opponent, which is the flesh. Look at the way 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 puts it. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. All right. Let's read it together, church, very quickly. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Verse 25. I can't hear us, church. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight, not as one that bitter the air. And verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring into subjection, lest that by enemies, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. You're in a combat with your flesh. All right? You have submitted to Jesus to be your defender, to be the one that fights for you, that helps you to conquer the flesh. You're not running as though you don't know what the hand is. You're running with the hand in view. You know the hand is victory. All right? So you're not fighting an uncertain battle. You, it's a certain battle, and the battle has been destined for you to win. It has been destined for you, for your advantage. So you run as though you are in a competition with your flesh. Like you are on one side, and your flesh is on the other side, and somebody has to win. And the person that has to win is not your flesh, but is who? You. Can I hear a loud Amen. Number four, and then I begin to close. Since you dropped or submitted your own ways or methods, now embrace Jesus' own way to racing from victory zone to victory. Since you submitted your own ways, you ripped off your list of methods of how to race on, on, on his journey. Because you are doing it together. You thought it was your journey. It's not just your journey. Jesus is with you on that journey. And he will only do what you permit him to do. Even though he's ready to do everything. He's ready to help you on that journey. But if you don't give him permit... To show you, it's just going to watch you do it on your own. And then when you become tired of your own ways and you give him the opportunity to show you how, that's when he step on board. So embrace his own methods. What is Jesus' methods of racing lights? You find that in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18. When you get home, you can read that because of our time. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18. actually tells us um, the fourth point, which is embracing Jesus' own method. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 gives us 
how to deal with unnecessary weights. Everything that serves or stands as weights or encumbrances, whatever it is that is going to make you become independent of God. Most of it is usually very simple. How, how many of you need God to sin this morning? If you need God to sin, let me see your hands up. Say, Lord, I really want to sin right now. And I need you to help me. Do we do, we do that? Do we need God to sin? Exactly. No, we don't. Because when we ask God to come on board, he helps us to not sin. And that's what grace does to us. If you look at Titus uh, um, 11 verse 2, it said, Salvation has appeared to all men. All right? Grace has appeared unto all men, teaching us, that is, grace actually teaches us to live godly, to live right. So grace does not give us the license or, 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 or gives us the, the enablement, the endowment to, to go ahead and do what's not according to, to, to God's order. He actually teaches us not to sin. So we, when we have submitted our own way, all right, and we've embraced Jesus' way, what we do is we exchange man's way with God's. Because our own way cannot get this job done. God's way is what is going to get it done. So we switch strategy. And the devil is not familiar with God's strategy. Can I hear a loud amen? Amen. And you can be sure that whatever guide he gives you is all you need on the track. Nothing less and absolutely nothing more. Your opinion most of the time does not matter. If he says yes, just go with yes. If he says no, just, just go with it. If he says stand still, you don't begin to move. If he says now, start moving, you don't stay still. And lastly, put on the mind of Jesus. Put on the mind of Jesus. In order to raise light, put on the mind of Jesus. What is the mind of Jesus? You're going to find out very quickly now as I close this message. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 9. Church, we're going to read it together. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 9. Let us read it together. Church, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What, what mind is that? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every... Now, that's okay. What's that supposed to mean? Putting on the mind of, of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? Humility. Obedience. Dependence on God. You just trust God. You cannot do anything without him. Jesus, even though he is God, still depended on the Holy Spirit to do anything. 
So if Jesus depends on the Holy Spirit to, 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 to tread this journey, oh, no wonder the journey was so smooth. No wonder the journey, oh, could I say smooth? No, no wonder the journey was very successful. Because it wasn't smooth. Was it smooth? No, it wasn't. It was filled with a lot of love. I mean, dark times and all of that. But it was successful. There was no, there was no time he compromised. So Jesus was uncompromisingly righteous and just all the way because he worked part-time with the Holy Spirit. He never did anything in his own accord. And the way to raise in light, my friends, is to, uh, is to actually emulate Jesus' part-time, which is to do what? To put on his mind. You want to do anything, you depend on God. Total dependence and awe of God, and this will help you to maintain consistent connection with your source. And you can be sure that you have King Jesus' back on the race, always watching out for ugly heads of unnecessary weight. And encumbrances that can show you, that can slow you down or distract you on the faith track. So, my dear friends, this morning I'm trying to help you see that the way to racing in this journey with the Lord is to raise lights. And in order for you to raise lights, number one, you need to acknowledge that you're in a constant battle between your spirit that wants to do right, and your flesh that wants to go the opposite direction. And number two, what I say number two is, you quit doing it your own way. Your methods will not work on this uh, side of, you know, on this side of the journey. Number three, run as though you're in a competition with your flesh. Because King Jesus is there with you and is fighting the battle on your behalf. Number four, embrace Jesus' own method. Because there's an exchange. You exchange your method to receiving his own. Because he teaches you all along the way. Just like he, he taught us in Matthew 11, 28 through 13. 13, the message translation. And the fifth one, put on the mind of Jesus. This is something you do every day. You don't do it on Monday and stop on Tuesday and pick it up on Wednesday and stop on Thursday. Pick it up on Friday and stop on Saturday. It's something you do on Every you do it consciously, it becomes your default. Every time you wake up in the morning, Jesus, we are in need again today. Jesus, I need you every step of the way today. Help me to keep my mouth short when I'm about to say something stupid. Help me to temper my emotions when somebody almost got on my nerve and I want to give him a piece of my mind. Oh, Lord, I, I need you. I, I, help me, help me, help me to guard my mouth so I don't curse somebody out today that, you know, stuff like that. It's a journey. And you need them on the journey. And I trust the Holy Spirit to help us to continue to raise with Jesus. In Jesus' name. Can we be upstanding this morning? Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Did you get anything out of this message this morning? Amen. Sorry I took extra time. But we are going now. Amen. I just want us to talk to God this morning very quickly. And the ushers, please get ready to bring the cake um, up. Okay, before you do, uh, yeah. All right, I wanted to just talk to God this morning. Just if you've heard anything or you've learned anything or you've received anything at all in the message, just go ahead and talk to God about it. Ask God to help you in this journey. We have made mistakes. We have.